guess I'm not in the mood today. Mood? Yeah. What's mood to do with it? You fight when the necessity arises, no matter the mood. Now fight! Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the music. Everybody have fun tonight. Everybody wang chung tonight. The movies. Yes! 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 Oh! 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 I'll have what she's having. And the parties. No one in my family ever drinks. That's great. You probably never run out of ice your whole life. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your friend and head of House of Trades, Brad in L.A. And Spearsy here. Uh, wait a minute. Does that make me the head of House Harkonnen? Uh, maybe. You might be a Tleilaxu master for all I know, dude. Who knows? Anyway, this is our special review of the remake of Dune. You have much to learn. I will show you the ways of the desert. This episode of Stuck in the 80s is sponsored by the Spacing Guild, folding space for you since the fall of the thinking machines. Grab a bag of spice, book a ticket to Arrakis, don't forget to bring along a lifetime of drinkable water, and help us conquer the known universe by helping support the podcast. Just go to patreon.com slash stuck in 80s podcast for more information in transmission. It's good you're up, buddy. Father wants your full dress before the Emperor's Herald arrives. Full dress? Military? Ceremonial. Why do we have to go through all this when it's already been decided? Ceremony? Steve, we've been talking about the Dune remake for quite a while, you and I, and we even worked it into a show a while ago. We talked about movies that deserved a remake as opposed to all the stuff that they choose to remake. Yeah. And I've been looking forward to this ever since then. We are House Atreides. There is no call we do not answer. There is no faith that we betray. The Emperor asks us to bring peace to Arrakis. House Atreides accepts. I was so happy to see that it was coming to HBO as well as the theaters because I know as as someone who hasn't set foot inside a movie theater in a couple years, HBO was my only shot. And I, I was counting down the days and you and I would message each other and share the link to the latest trailers. And I know the last trailer that we saw. Oh th- my gosh. Th- we were weeping. I was coming unglued. I've uh, look full disclosure. I'm a giant fanboy of Frank Herbert stuff. And this is my favorite book, which puts you in kind of a dangerous territory when you talk about movies based on favorite books, especially when the book is as complicated in some ways as Dune is like, how are they going to make a decent movie out of that? But Everything I was seeing, I felt like it was on the right track. There you go. That's a good omen right there. Right? It kind of reminds me of when Ready Player One became a movie, because that was that was a book that you and I both loved, and yet we knew when the movie version came out, even though Spielberg was doing it, that we just knew we were we were being set up for disappointment. And I, so I guess my first question to you is, 
were you disappointed at all in this new remake? I ask for this. Do not seek our sieges. Do not trespass in our lands. The desert was ours long before you came. So come and dig your spice. But when you have it, go back. I was not disappointed. <laughs> Newsflash, I was just overwhelmed. I was so pleased coming out of the theater. I was spent walking out of the movie theater. <laughs> Actually, this is this just tells you how busy my summer was. I snuck away for a few hours on a Saturday afternoon when I was supposed to be working to go and see it at the movie theater. And like you say, I don't think I've been to the... I can't remember the last movie I saw in the theater. But I'm glad I went and made time for it. So you saw this in New York then? I did, yeah. Wow. Was there anybody else in the theater? Yeah, there were about 20 people. It was uh, the new Alamo Draft House down in lower Manhattan, and it was pretty sparsely. The theater was not full by any stretch of the imagination, but it was a great, great setup. Order food, order beers. like that part. Don't be too sure it's an act of love. Yeah. So for those of us who have not read the book, I, I think I got halfway through it when I was in high school. But can, can you give us a little bit of background on the book, Dune, and, and the author? Okay. Uh, I had a real hard time trying to write a summary of the plot of Dune. I'm sitting here, Steve can see me holding my forehead like my brain's trying to pop out of my head just thinking about it. So, yes, I cheated. I went online and found somebody else's summary. The book Dune was written by Frank Herbert in 1965, so long ago. If you go and see this movie, just as a quick aside, you say, yeah, this feels a little like Star Wars to me. Mm, no. No, Star Wars feels a little like Dune to you is what you mean when you say that, my friend. Anyway, what's Dune about, you ask? So Dune is set in the distant future amid a feudal interstellar society. So the known universe, people are all over the place, which various noble houses control planetary fiefs. The core of the story is young Paul Atreides, who is a 15-year-old, the son of a, a noble house. His family has accepted the stewardship of the planet Arrakis. Okay. Arrakis, what's that? Oh, is it Dune? Hmm, could be. The planet is completely inhospitable, just a desert wasteland, but it is the only source of melange or spice. Yes, drugs. It's a drug that extends life and it enhances mental abilities and is also necessary for space navigation, which requires a, the, a kind of awareness that only this drug can bring on. So yeah, first you get high, then you <laughs> fold space. <laughs> Since this melange stuff is only available on Arrakis, control of this planet is a, kind of a key to almost a pillar of this society in a lot of ways. And so they move in and shit gets crazy. Your first strategy meeting. Paul Atreides who catches hunter seekers in his bare hands like a hero of old. <laughs> Thanks for the humiliation, old man. I keep an eye on you. That's pretty good. I mean, it's to me, what I remember of the book and what I remember of the first movie is that this is a really difficult subject to turn into a film in with with what we have today technology wise. And I know Stanley Kubrick, the late great Stanley Kubrick, was known for saying, if it can be written or thought, it can be filmed. Well, Stanley Ooh. never tried Dune. <laughs> Well, I've seen 2001 A Space Odyssey, and that was filmed, but the last 30 minutes of it don't make a lot of sense. No. It's great for taking a nap during now. Um, yeah, and the soundtrack's amazing. Yes. The 80s connection here is that in the 80s, David Lynch directed a version of this, right? That's correct. That's correct. In 1984, 
the and, travesty of 1984's <laughs> Dune. But let's make one thing clear. As much as a travesty as it is, how many times have you seen it? You got me there. Um, I did not like it at all when it came out. And it made me angry for probably 20 years before a friend of mine was like, you're coming at this wrong. You need to appreciate this for the goofiness that is present, not be angry for the things that it is and is not. So now I can watch it and enjoy it. Father, the sleeper has awakened. (laughs) But at the time, oh, it just made me so mad. In some ways, the movie broke my heart because I was so excited for this film version of a book that I loved. And it just, the problem with the 1984 version is it kept enough of the story's complex nature to just confuse people who didn't know the source material. But then it added in enough, like, let's make this an action movie kind of weird stuff to make people who knew the source material really angry too. So basically everybody left mad. Goodbye, young human. I hope you live. Uh, <laughs> it, it's like I said, now I can kind of enjoy it. It's a silly take. But we watched it at my, on our bachelor party. We did. We did. Or, well, it was on anyway while we were drinking. I didn't take the time to look up the quote, but there was a great review from, I want to say it was in the New York Times at the time that talks about the, you know, many of the characters in this movie are prescient and can see the future, which gives them the benefit of knowing what the hell is going on. <laughs> it also has Sting in a metal bikini, so, you know, yeah. how bad can that be? He he was not great in the first movie. <sighs> No. I'm sorry. He's stiff. No. He's as stiff as the as the metal bikini that he's wearing. Well, hmm. interesting. Well, uh, that, that Trudy must have been wrong. very excited for him to <laughs> get home from the set. Don't poke me with that thing. When we found out that a a new version was coming, we were obviously you had to be a little skeptical. I, I went to my default cautiously optimistic, but uh, Villeneuve, I think. And honestly, from where I sit now, had the chops to pull it off. And at the time, I thought, you know, here's a guy with the pedigree that he can make this and make it make a good version of it. Did he do the sequel, Blade Runner? Yeah, he did the Blade Runner sequel. Exactly. It looks like they used half the same set pieces for this. Yeah. I mean, it's if you a loved dirt, a lot of dirt in the air. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you loved the second Blade Runner, then you're going to love the new Dune. I think I can get on board with that. I think if you're a fan of the book, you're going to love the new Dune. When you have lived with prophecy for so long, the moment of revelation is a shock. That may be its biggest weakness, Steve. I know that some people have found it confusing or and perhaps unfulfilling because maybe it ends sooner than you'd like it to in the story. And I don't think that's really surprising because the book has so many moving parts and there's stuff that just kind of gets touched on. And, you know, I was watching it. Actually, Katie and I were watching it last night. So yes, my third screening, I would tell her, sometimes I would just tell her to pause it and then I'd tell her what was going on. And sometimes she'd pause it herself and turn to me and said, what just happened? And I'd have to (laughs) kind of lay it out for her. You can't do that in a movie theater. And it's, if your defense of a movie is, well, you should read the book first. That's not a great tagline for a movie, right? (laughs) I mean, I, I want people to love this movie as much as I do, but I understand that it's a long road for some people. Where's the outworlder? Jonas is a good fighter. He won't let you suffer. Yeah, well, it's 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 really dense of a, a topic. I mean, I I gladly hand it over to you trying to summarize it because I, I want to know part of it. And, and even when I watch the movie, I've been trying to watch the movie now for, I guess, a week, and I can digest it maybe about 
20 minutes at a time. Yeah. It's like eating cheesecake. You're like, I love it. I love right. it, but I'm full and I need to rest. Yeah, yeah. I need, need some time away from the cheesecake. There's a lot there. And I think that perhaps if you're in a place where you're thinking, I may be more confused by this than I want to be, it might be better to wait until the second film is out and watch them together. Uh, although that might take you all of a weekend, the way that the runtime is yeah. on these things. Yeah. God, can they even finish it in another movie, or will it take two more movies? I mean, you, you got you got some religion, you got some ecology, you got the <laughs> economics of scarcity, you got gigantic worms belching psychotropic drugs, some murderous sword fighting, and weird death cult warriors, and uh, yeah. you know, you name it. Oh, and and drinking uh, your own sweat and urine that's been recycled by a weird plastic bag suit that you wear everywhere. I wish I could wear that to bed every night. It would really prevent some, Ugh, some bad mornings. Jesus. If you're not convinced, you know, if, if what we're if what we're saying here just seems like, well, they've made no compelling case yet for me to watch it. Consider the cast. When I first watched it, I'm like, these faces look familiar. That can't possibly be so and so. And the answer is usually yes, it is. So, yeah. I mean, Oscar Isaac is in it. You know, from Star Wars, uh, Jason Momoa who's been in everything lately. Yeah. Stellan Skarsgård is one of the villains, and he's a little hard to recognize at first until he starts talking. Then until you're like, you ah. hear his voice, yeah. yeah. Dave Batista, and I, I know people are like, you know, the jury might be still out on Dave Batista, but I, I like him, and he's good in this movie. Uh, Javier Bardem yeah. is in it. He's got kind of a small part in this one, but it's going to be a bigger part in the next next movie. Mm-hmm. Same with Zendaya. Yeah. There well, are a then, lot of fans that were upset that she didn't get more screen time, but her part's right. really important. It's, In the second part. Timothy Chalamet plays the lead. And when I'm looking at him on the screen, I'm like, I know the face, but I can't recall the roles. And so I, I looked him up on IMDb. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I'm sorry, folks. I just don't go to, I don't watch too many movies in theaters. And there's just a lot of movies that, if it falls into a certain genre, I'm just, I'm really not interested. Yeah, I mainly remember him from Lady Bird. Yeah, Lady Bird is the big the big one. He's been in a ton of movies. He's he's yeah. great. And and when I first saw him as Paul Atreides, I'm like, nah, I don't buy it, but he fits into the role as it goes. Yeah, and and remember that in the again, I'll keep going back to this. In the book, the character's 15. So right. having it be a scrawny teenage kid, that's about right. Mr. Chalamet, I don't mean to call you scrawny in a bad way, please. Don't don't send anybody after me, but <laughs> I mean, I haven't I haven't been that scrawny since middle school. I look more like Skarsgård these days. But that's okay. Are you covered in oil? It feels like it. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm on the last week right now of living alone before I go up to New York. We'll be up there for two weeks, getting ready for the wedding, and then and then we're married and everything. So I'm literally in the last. I have five nights left. Wow, being alone. So if you're asking if I'm covered with oil. Yes, it's from it's from a variety of fried food products that I've been <laughs> and um, last night I made burgers from my from my neighbor who's house sitting and then I guarantee you there'll be Chick Fil A involved this week and all the uh, usual suspects. Oh my god, what's the suit called that the Fremen wear? The still suit. Still suit. I'm telling you, I might need one. I'm sorry. I just and, just and tell I, you what. Just drink water, Steve. It'll be easier. What? Just drink water. You don't have to like recapture your body's lost water. You don't live on Arrakis. No. Well, you've not lived in Florida though. Uh, 
So that's it's about true. the closest thing to it. You shouldn't be out here this hour of the day. They're out here. Freeland pilgrims. They don't care about heat stroke. What are you talking about? You could basically use a straw and drink the air in Florida <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> that's probably true. Um, that's <sighs> I don't know why I'm so laughy right now. I just I, I don't either. So so tell me what you think of the ending of the movie, Steve. Well, so so here's what's funny is I'm, I'm watching. I, I had made it my mission to finish it today before we recorded the podcast. Thoughtful. And I'm sitting there, and it's like at one point I looked up, and it's I'm at the halfway point, and it's about it's almost three hours long, right? Two and a half, yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, okay, I, I did not know how it ends. I I just figured it was like the, the book or the movie. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay, you know, this has been good so far. And then the next thing I know, there's like, 20 minutes minute. left. There's no way we can pack all that in 20 minutes. Yeah. I'm like, 20 minutes. And I texted Brad. I'm like, what the f***? There's no way this is going to wrap up in 20 minutes. And I'm like, is there is there going to be a, you know, a sequel? You know, because this is, just as it's really getting interesting, it ends. I have to tell a story about Katie. And when we went to go see the first Lord of the Rings movie, as the credits are starting to roll in uh, The Fellowship of the Ring, she turns to me and says pretty loudly in the movie theater, you mean they don't throw the ring in the volcano? (laughs) Two more movies, sweetie. Two more movies. Two more very long movies. Yeah. So in this one, you're only getting one more movie. So yeah, it's interesting in that they only, Warner Brothers only greenlit the first movie, which covers the first half of the book, which very nervous business, right? Either you're going to do it or you're not. And the movie has done... I mean, maybe it hasn't done gangbusters, but it's grossed $330 million worldwide. It opened uh, internationally before it opened, most places before it opened in the United States. But it's grossed, I think, $80 million, maybe $85 million in the U.S. It actually grossed more its opening weekend than the 1984 version did, period. Commercially, it's doing okay, and Warner Brothers greenlit the second half. Bless the maker and his water. Uh, we're very happy about that. <laughs> Uh, but it does, it ends at a natural kind of inflection point in the book. I understood why they ended it there. And I had a similar situation in the theater. Where I'm like, okay, we've got like 30 minutes left. They're not going to be able to get that scene in. Like, there's no way they can set that up and have it go to resolution and then roll credits in the right. time we have left. But they did. And uh, I was pretty happy with it. I, like I said, I walked out of that theater just, I was spent. Do not run. You will only waste your body's water. Because oh. I realized I'd basically been holding my breath for the better part of two hours. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, am I seeing this? I'm seeing this. This is this is the thing I've been waiting to see since I was 15 years old. You know? Yeah. It is not a Star Wars movie. There are no Muppets. <laughs> there. I mean, yeah. it is not. This is not light science fiction. This is not Ice Pirates. <laughs> Although that does deal with water and scarcity. Yeah, it's just, Oh my God! Ice Ice Pirates is possibly a satire of Dune, if you think about it. Oh my gosh! I need to watch that again. Is, it, is that Robert Urich? Yeah, yeah, it's on Hulu right now, as we'll talk about when we get to Eighties Obsession. <laughs> huh. Okay. But before we get to Eighties Obsession, we have to get to the Eighties. Hey, it's time for listener mailbag. I've simplified the. Seggy intros now for whatever level of sobriety I'm at. Oh. 
Well, it's mid-afternoon, so you know, full <laughs> full simplicity is what's required at this point. Yeah. No, it's like night here in Florida. It's the time change thing, and it's going to wreak havoc on my body for probably the next five days. So it'll be oil and sleep <laughs> for me. <laughs> the greasy sleeper, Steve Spears. Well, that's the other thing about when you're living by yourself. You don't. If you don't really want to shower, you don't really have to shower. So. You know, I, I still try to make it a point. <laughs> Just, <laughs> I know these are things you haven't had to deal with for a very long time. But. Well, it was funny because cutting back from New York, you know, Katie and I looked at each other and were like, we're going to have to learn how to sleep with someone else in the bed again. Oh, yeah. Jeez. So. Well, do you I, – I, I, yeah. Go I ahead. Ask it. Ask it. I mean, do you, what size bed do you have? I'm just kind of curious. You have a California king. Come on. I'm okay, so four, you I need bed. a big bed. Okay, okay. But I am a notorious cover stealer. So you don't have separate blankets or anything? No, and I tend to roll away from the center of the bed, so I tend to take the covers with me when I go. Oh, I, I, su- I highly suggest uh, separate blankets. Oh, it's working fine for me. I don't have a problem. <laughs> yeah, I'm not worried about you. I have all the covers I need. We have future wife and I do separate blankets, and um, oh, that works. I'm somewhat controlled by the fact that I'm a hitch to a CPAP machine, uh, so I can only roll over so far, and then suddenly it's like, <laughs> <laughs> either the mask comes flying off my face, or I yank the CPAP machine onto the bed, and we get doused with water. So, oh. ah, yes, the joys of sleep apnea. Good times. Well, <laughs> hopefully, you sleep better with that thing on. Well, I snore less, apparently. That's good. So that's good. Um, anyway, last show, we I remember Mr. Whiskey was one of the contenders. Yeah, we got a correct answer from Mr. Whiskey. And I remember commenting at the time, we haven't heard from Commander Bourbon in a while. Well, this week's letter is from Commander Bourbon. What are the odds? It's amazing what you can do if you really will yourself to it. Uh, why don't you go ahead and read it, Brad? Here we go. Use the voice. Yes, I will use the voice on this letter. Hey, guys. (laughs) Hey, guys. Just dropping you a note to throw another 80s obsession your way. I know you've done the 80s obsession thing the last couple of episodes, so if you want to hold this one for a while, that's cool. Nope, we're using it now. Oh, we're doing it now. Here we go. (laughs) Taking a break from my usual 80s playlists during my walks, I rediscovered some of my favorite 80s stand-up comedy albums. Top of the list is Robin Williams' Reality. What a concept. Okay, technically it's from 1979. Uh, we will issue you the standard disclaimer, Commander Bourbon. You have, your waiver is granted. It is in. Some of my favorite sketches were the Soviet suppressions of Nicky Lennon, Reverend Ernest's Angry Temple of Comedy, and the Shakespearean play based on Three Mile Island, a meltdowner's nightmare. <laughs> he was such a genius with improvisation, moving from character to character, sometimes every few seconds. Yeah, he's, wow. I just, I don't know how he does it. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's probably part of the mix. Uh, the only downside is that a few of the jokes are obviously visual, so you sort of have to mentally fill in what was happening on stage. But you can usually get enough context from the audio where it's not too much of a problem. As far as I know, there isn't any video footage of the show. Another favorite is Richard Pryor's Here and Now. Most of his material is drawn from his life, which can be pretty raw. Not really for folks with, quote, delicate sensibilities, unquote, but hilarious for the rest of us. His Live on the Sunset Strip album is pretty good, too. 80s comedy albums might be a good fodder for a future podcast if it hasn't already been done. I wouldn't be surprised if it has. Still stuck in the 80s, Commander Bourbon in Maryland. God, I love that handle. 
Of course you do. I've been trying to think of other ranks in the army. You could have uh, Sergeant Sour Mash. <laughs> I don't know what the other ones are. That's the only one I've got. I've, i I got to admit, okay. I spent about 10 seconds pondering we'll, this. We'll, we'll fill out the rest of it until we get up to the top of General Mayhem. Yeah. To answer your question or query, I guess... We did cover some of Eddie Murphy's records in a previous show, episode 229 back in 2011. I think that's pre-Brad. It is, yeah. We celebrated Eddie's 50th birthday, I assume, and we replayed some of our favorite comedy routines, and we named uh, top five movies that he appeared in. Okay. I have zero recollection of what movies we named. I do remember most of the routines were from the album Delirious. Sure. because that was the HBO special that got him so much. Yeah. And then I mean, um, if Trading Places wasn't on that list, we're going to have words. Oh, I'm but sure it was. I'm going to guess there's Trading Places, Beverly Hills Cop, Coming to America, 48 Hours, Coming to America, and uh, The Nutty Professor, obviously. No. I mean, I guess if you're looking at only the 80s, I think you'd have to say, <sighs> well, I don't know, Golden Child. I, 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 I. <laughs> I mean, it's better. It's better than. I mean, let's face it. He made some dogs. That that. Um, is he in Best Defense? Yes. Yes. He was that's, with Dudley that's, Moore. Yeah. That's anyway. unwatchable. I never thought about doing comedy albums of the eighties. Did you own many, Brad? Did you own? Was that one of your things? I remember owning. Actually, I had some Bill Cosby records, although those were probably from the seventies. Uh, but Steve Martin definitely had oh, Steve yeah. Martin's albums. Yeah. I had Bill Cosby's himself, which was from mm-hmm. eighty two. The how long can you tread water routine? Ha, 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 ha. Oh, what else did I... And I, I remember borrowing a lot of Cheech and Chong albums from my friends. Okay. Yeah. I could do the whole Dave's Not Here skit. Sure. Yeah, I do. It's a classic. Who is it? It's, it's Dave, man. Will you open up? I got the stuff with me. Who? Dave, man. Open up. Dave? Yeah, Dave, come on, man. Open up. I think the cops are not here. But yeah, it's not a bad idea. We'll put it in the hopper. Yeah. The hopper's getting full. Anyway, if you have a letter, always please email us at podcast at sit80s.com. Prepare to qualify. Hey, it's time for Stuck in the Arcade. Our our seemingly guys only challenge to name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, to name a to name the music from a video arcade game. I've noticed that too. Is that just because only the dudes hung out in the arcade, or the ladies were too cool to know the music, or what do we what do we need to do to tune this segment up a little bit so it's not such a sausage hang? <laughs> I don't know. Please write in with suggestions, listeners. I thought I would make it easier this week because I picked an easier sound because when, when you normally pick them you pick something that i've not only have it i don't recognize it i don't even recognize the name of the game when you tell me what it is i, I don't mean that don't give me that look i <laughs> i see it i we have our video cameras on you're not fooling anybody you're not fooling anyone williams <laughs> so I, I made it simple this week and 22 people got it yeah uh, so pay attention from episode 617 here's the uh, stuck in the arcade sound Yep, that's Centipede. Easy, right? Yeah, I love this game. I played a lot of Centipede. Had the trackball, right? Yeah. 
you know, the fleas dropping down on you and the spiders hopping around. I intentionally picked this one because I thought this was – I'm not trying to be sexist here or anything. I thought it was a more accessible game that maybe more females would have played. Sure. Uh, maybe some of these names are female. But Brad's got the time, and uh, Brad's going to pick an obscure one this week anyway, so he gets the pleasure of reading 22 names. Oh, here we go. This week's winners include Cincinnati Joe, Donnie Gettle rhymes with AstroTurf, Brian with an E in Boulder, Brian Pond, Chris Deepcut Sampson, Stony Stitt, Alpha Geek, Ardwolf Commodore 64 Will, okay Will, if you say so, Carlos in St. Louis, Blue Fest, Tommy Dissett in Boston, Alan Be Careful and Don't Pronounce My Last Name, Colin in Arkansas, Don Hammock, Dan in Omaha, Kevin, Can You Dodge a Wench? Alejandro, Mr. Walexo, Roboto, Cardoso from Tijuana, Mexico, Jeremy, Who Shot JR, Rod One in St. Pete, and the Tromboner. Ah, I've missed the Tromboner. Have you? How does the future wife feel about the Tromboner? <laughs> she was never one for, uh, it's not a woodwind, is it? Musical it's interludes. It's a brass instrument. Do you have a go to uh, serious station or playlist that you play during sexy time? No. But thank you for asking. Uh, well, then now neither... I'm very curious about yours. <laughs> no, well, then ne- neither do I. <laughs> no, of course not. I was just taking a survey. Yeah. Uh, okay, spin the wheel. Let's find out who's going to take home the... I haven't had a chance to say this in a while. Who gets to take home the postal-friendly bottle opener? Oh. <gasps> and you're Ooh. back in L.A. now, so you can send I these can out. I can mail them out. I know I need, to go to the, I need to go to the office supply store and get some envelopes. I'll do it tomorrow. Okay, here we go. I'm going to spin no that wheel like nobody's spun it since a couple of weeks ago. Oh, nicely done. And it looks like it's going to land on Brian with an E in Boulder. Excellent. He does really spell his name with an E. B-R-I-E-N. That's probably his parents' fault, honestly. You know, this is, this is what made me mad as a kid. Like, Because this is, you know, the great problem when you go to disney world and you look for your name on the license plates and Mm -hmm. brian would never find his name because it would always be spelled with an a that's true his parents have a grievous disservice i mean i could find steve oh probably not a problem steve esteban you name it my full name is steven with a ph just like your degree yeah (laughs) you never found that if you found steven it's with a v-e-n i I don't know why i'm explaining this this is doesn't this is if this doesn't end up on the cutting room floor well then clearly we didn't have enough jokes this episode <laughs> uh you know what can i tell you sometimes i just leave it sometimes i just let it roll yeah anyway brian send us an email with your postal friendly uh, address oh by the way i noticed lately that some people they go on our website and they use like the comment feature there to send us your their postal friendly address don't do that <laughs> don't do that don't do that we don't check it i noticed somebody did it today somebody who won one of the books you got to email us at podcast at sit80s.com. Otherwise, could we, we be I, any clearer? It'll be months before we look. It just it just doesn't pop up. Ask Mr. Tromboner about this. It's true. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Anyway, pay attention. Here's Brad's mystery clip for this week. Yep, clueless. But if you know it, email us at podcast at sit80s.com. Oh, that hurt. I feel like am I, am I warm, Brad? Can you tell? You look you look <laughs> to be glowing a bit, yes. Yeah. It's the oil. Anyway, <laughs> hey 
ahead, tune in. We tune in. Uh, I don't know. Probably after I get married to find out if you're a winner. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Miss Henderson, Thomas says you've got a secret formula for fried chicken. Do you? You mean Wessonality. Wessonality? That means chicken fried in Wesson oil tastes light and delicate outside, juicy inside. It tastes terrific. But what's the secret? Wesson lets you fry at the right temperature so you get a quick crust that seals in juices. Delicate outside, juicy inside. That's Wessonality. Is it okay if I tell my mom? Hey, we're back, and only because it's become a ridiculously easy habit. It's time to play What's Your 80s Obsession? Brad, what's your 80s obsession? Okay. Steve, my 80s obsession this week is, surprisingly, Pac-Man. Really? Do tell. Never was a big Pac-Man guy, although, as we talked about, we did have a lot of fun playing the battle mode Pac-Man at that arcade for your bachelor party. So, just to tease an upcoming show, there is a new coffee table book out on Pac-Man, the history of the game, kind of its roots, and how it became popular and how it became such a big pop culture phenomenon. And uh, I got a review copy the other day and I mean, it's this huge thing, enormous tome on Pac-Man, which to me, it was kind of blew my mind. Like how could there be this much information? But of course there is. It's a, it's a phenomenon. Sure. So I've been diving into this book to get ready to talk to the authors about it. Have you, have you gotten to the part where they talk about how it was supposed to be called Puck-Man? Uh, that has been mentioned. Yes. And the reason they didn't do it. We're back to the playlist. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's good. Uh, so here's my 80s obsession. Like I mentioned, five days left of man cave time. I can watch whatever I want to on television. I, you know, lately it's been a lot of Hulu. And what I've discovered is Hulu is just going. They're going all in on the 80s movies right now. Hmm. So the other night I was on, and I saw that. Uh, Over the Edge, which is actually 1979, but I, I think of it as an 80s movie, is on there. And you never get a chance to see Over the Edge, but it's there. Um, Matt Remind Dillon's me of the movie. plot of Over the Edge? It's based on a real-life story of a planned community out west. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I'm like, where I they did, know I know this. They didn't accommodate for the fact that a quarter of the population were teenagers. And they didn't – there was no like idea of, like, let's build them a bowling alley or – a roller skating rink or anything and so leave a bunch of teenagers with nothing to do what happens Problems. sex and drugs and rock and roll yeah back to Great the playlist yeah <laughs> very good playlist so that's available ice pirates as we previously <laughs> mentioned is available uh all the star trek movies from the 80s the untouchables girls just want to have fun heathers and the other thing i noticed lately so i've been, I've been kind of going through them all you know not not the untouchables i've seen that enough times now but but you can never see Ice Pirates enough times. So, Really? Uh, Should I watch it? No. <laughs> I think it's one of those ones you had to... If you get really liquored up, then maybe... <laughs> maybe. It's no crawl. <laughs> oh, God. I wish... I love crawl. I would, if, if that were on right now, you know, podcast over. Um, but also, if you go to HBO, which is where Dune is, by the way, nice little crossover, Ooh. I noticed that they have a remake of Head of the Class, which I don't know if you remember that, but it was a TV series that ran on ABC from 1986 to 1991, mm-hmm. and it starred Howard Hessman as a teacher of a class of gifted students. His goal is to make them focus as much on life as it is as they focus on their books. It was a really cute, for lack of a better term, series, 
in the late eighties. It's nice to see that somebody wants to do a remake of it. That being yeah. said, I, I watched the first forty five seconds and I had turned it off. <laughs> wow. All that setup to like, yeah, and I couldn't take it. Well, you it know, sometimes just, it was just too good for me. I'm not I'm not worthy of that material. I couldn't be in its presence. I don't know if the idea I mean these days it's like you've got to get a near perfect four so, to get into a decent college. A little too earnest, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I I'll I'll give it another chance someday when I'm you know, it's raining outside and I got nothing to do kind of thing. I will I let me just back up a second there. A four to get into a good college, that is absolute garbage. There is a college out there that is a good fit for any kid that wants to go to college. You think? Absolutely believe that in my heart. So parents whose kids are applying <laughs> to colleges, be of good faith. Like, yeah, okay, not everyone's getting into Harvard. No, no, I'm just saying, like, I could, I could not get into the school that I got into today. Uh, well, okay, you're you're comparing apples and oranges. You're taking your 80s no, I'm high comparing school a young career, apple to an old apple. <laughs> you're talking, you're talking your 80s high school experience. Yeah, and trying to map it into a current college admissions environment, and I don't think that's fair to you or the college environment. I don't understand that, but I appreciate the sentiment. <laughs> anyway, Dune is out there. Wow. Sorry for that one. Okay, and Man, we're back. There's a reason why I barely got into college in the first place. And while you know the difference between uh, begs the question and raises the question. It's an important distinction. I will do neither at this point. I will just mention that Dune is on HBO for how much longer we do not know. HBO is kind of weird about I these things. I think late month. I think it runs through like maybe the weekend before Thanksgiving before it disappears oh. off HBO Max. So we better get the show online so, soon. So, you then. know, go, 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 give it a, go put your eyeballs on it. And if you hate it, then blame Steve. And if you love it, then credit me. <laughs> but whatever you do, we hope you remain here with us, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. It's only the beginning. Stuck in the 80s is now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And thanks for listening.